Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. This is always, I love doing this show because the difference that this show makes. It's not me in this case at all. It's Gracie Wilkerson and the Ron and Vicky Santo Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation. This organization saves lives. I mean, literally true. And it's fascinating how they train their dogs. We'll talk with dog trainer Gracie Wilkerson about that. She is an old and dear friend. Holly Agra is here. Uh, We're talking about the Mercury Skyline Cruise Line. Now, that's the one, because there's so many boats that go up and down the Chicago River now. So, this is the one found on Wacker and Michigan on the southeast side of the street. And it's not just one boat. You have, what, seven of them or something like that, potentially, Holly? We have plenty to choose from, but only one for the canine crew. <laughs> yeah. I, that is Chicago's little lady. Oh, the little lady does the canine cruise. And we'll talk about when the canine cruise is. Let's talk about what it is and how it all started. I'll, I'll, I could tell the story, but I think this time around I'll let you tell it. Well, it is a boat ride for people who would like to spend some quality time with their dogs. It's a 90-minute cruise, and you see the Chicago skyline from the lakefront and the riverfront. Um, People come with their dogs, and mostly all friendly dogs, so we don't have any problems with dogs. And everyone is happy. And um, I believe one year we did a special fundraiser, and you had the idea, why don't you do it all the time? And I was a little bit like deer in the headlights, but I said, okay, we'll try it. And uh, I think we're, what, 15 years later, Steve? Amazing, isn't it? It's wonderful. So you were walking by, this is when WGN Radio was at the Chicago Tribune, you were just walking down the street, and at that time you had gotten a new Portuguese water dog, and I called you into the studio and Mm -hmm. waved you in, and you said, sure, you know, so you came on, we were talking about uh, dogs, we were talking about your Portuguese water dog, we took a commercial break, I asked how everything's going, you said, you know, we need these suburbanites to come down. I said, why don't they, during the commercial? And you said, well... You know, by the time they drive in with traffic and then the cruise is an hour or two, depending on which one they choose. And then they want to have lunch downtown, of course, but they've got to get back for their dog. I said, well, why don't you let them bring your their dogs and have kind of an architecture cruise for dogs? And you said, well, what would that be? Well, that's clear. You show them the park with the most squirrels, right? You show, <laughs> and fire hydrant. Yeah, where, where the oldest fire hydrant in Chicago, the only place, the only cruise that points that out is your canine cruise. And it is magnificent because this has been going on now for a while. I think other cities you said have picked up on this. Yes, I saw some uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, and um, I think also Bo- in Fort Myers. Oh, Fort Myers. I didn't know that. I thought mm-hmm. Boston did something as well. So, you know, so many people travel with their dogs now. Not to mention, so you've got two things going on for you where you happen to be. In downtown Chicago, there are so many people who live in downtown Chicago. And so many people have a dog. So for them, they could just walk over to you. It's something to do during the day. But a lot of tourists travel with their pet as well. So you've got, I suspect, both of those audiences combined with, yeah, sometimes those suburbanites do come in and now they can bring their dog. Is that all true? 
Yes, it is. Um, we are lucky to be near some uh, great dog-friendly hotels. And now the Riverwalk um, has really um, come alive over the last 15 years. And there's so many restaurateurs on the Riverwalk where you can uh, have lunch, snacks, or dinner, right, with your dog. Yeah, in fact, most of the restaurants, not only on the Riverwalk, but many even beyond the Riverwalk that have an outdoor cafe, uh, mm-hmm. they not only allow dogs, but they welcome dogs, combined with, as you mentioned, for the tourists that come in, they have more places to stay if they want to travel with the dog because there are more pet-friendly hotels and, than ever before. So mm-hmm. all of that, then it happens. Then the dog cruise happens. I have a technical question to ask you because you know about boats. That is your okay. life. Okay. I'll try. Well, you know everything. So I've, I'm. why is it that every dog cruise where there's a Jack Russell Terrier, that dog is wearing a sailor's cap? And why is it only Jack Russell Terriers? I don't know. Maybe they're the perfect size for a baby <laughs> sailor hat. I'm not really sure, but they're pretty wiggly dogs. So um, I really don't know how they do that. But in October, we do have a cruise. Uh, called Halloween, Halloween, and uh, people and their dogs dress up together in October. And also, you are the ones with the original architecture cruises, too, correct? That's true. We are the only boat company in Chicago that work with the Chicago Architecture Center, and that a portion of the ticket price supports the great work of the center. And uh, also, um, you get to see their museum if you upgrade your ticket to include that. Oh, I didn't know that. In addition, mm-hmm. the, the tour is given by a docent. It's not a captain. So now there are so many cruise lines on Lake Michigan, which is fine. I mean, it gives people a choice. I, I think that's okay. But they all offer, quote-unquote, an architecture cruise. And Holly, I will tell you, I've been on a few of the others and you've got the captain saying things like this. There's a tall building over there. Oh, look that way. Uh, there's another one. I think it's called the... Uh, uh, I'm not sure. And then there's another one there that uh, an architect uh, built. That's not like the Chicago Architecture Foundation docents, is it? No, they are so passionate about um, educating the public. They just love what they do. Uh, and... Our tour travels on all three branches of the Chicago River, so it really does take 90 minutes to see the whole river. And they just um, they just love what they do, and and you can tell that um, that they love it because they just keep coming back year after year. I, I know that I've seen some docents for over 20 years, and then every year there's also a new class of docents who finish their 100 hours of training, and they graduate um, to be able to do the boat tour. And some of the docents are actually well-known Chicagoans, so you never know. It's possible that Dr. Allison Arwady could lead your tour, right? It's such a thrill when she's on board leading the tour, and I'm not sure the passengers realize how important she is to our city but they just enjoy her tour like they enjoy all of the tours. But we, of course, are in awe that she would donate her time um, to be on board with us. 
Yeah, and also you've got, I want to go back to the canine crews. So you've got all of these dogs together on one boat. What is that like? And I want to know if you've ever lost a dog to the seagulls. Because, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. You will divulge the truth. When we come back, we're talking to Haliagra of the Mercury Skyline Cruise Line. Back on WGN Radio with Holly Agra of the Mercury Skyline Cruise Line. They're the ones, the only ones, that have the K-9 Cruise, which began right here, in a way, Holly, because of WGN Radio, right? Absolutely. You uh, you had the vision to uh, recommend we, we do it every weekend. And, you know, following uh, the events of 9-11, we weren't sure tourists were ever going to travel again, so we wanted to reach out to the residents of our, our neighborhood and neighborhoods around Chicago and make sure they knew about us and gave them uh, some quality time with their dog. So we came up with that idea. I, I don't remember. Was it really after 9-11? Was it? I, I, I believe it was. Hmm. I believe it was. So. And it's worked um, out so very well. It's so much fun for people. If you have a dog that's not going to enjoy it, stay home. If you have a dog that isn't social with other dogs, stay home. There are other things you can do with your dog. However, this is so much fun for many dogs. So what I want to know, because the dogs, they're on a leash, but still. Has a dog ever jumped overboard to get to one of those seagulls? No, no. All the dogs have stayed in in, in the boat. Um, the boat is, of course, Coast Guard certified, and the Coast Guard has a requirement that our uh, railings be uh, uh, as high as is safe for small children. So, of course, it's also safe for dogs. Yes. And by and large, the dogs get along with one another. And the captain is who they really love, because here's what happens during every canine cruise. At some point, the captain walks around with dog cookies. Yep, he sure does. He or she. Um, we, do have, uh, we do have some great female captains, and uh, every, everyone enjoys it. Everyone is happy. And it's amazing how many people come with their children and strollers and one or two dogs. Yeah. So it's a real family affair. Yes, indeed. Uh, So when is it? Um, It is Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we start after the 4th of July, July 8th through October 1st. And And then in October, we have the special Halloween. Ooh, scary. Very scary. Mm -hmm. And how much is it? Do you know offhand? Yes, it's uh, $44 for adults, $20 for kids, and $10 for dogs, and kids under five are free. Perfect. All right. Well, Holly, it is always great to talk with you. It is amazing what has happened on the River Walk. And I'll tell you, whenever I talk about this on the air, I now get texts and calls. I'm so concerned about coming down to Michigan Avenue. I am at least twice a week, sometimes four times a week, on Michigan Avenue. And I've seen it from the pandemic through now. And all of the, it's like a roller coaster ride, you know, up and down and up and down. But now I'm guessing that the crowds are almost where they were right before the pandemic. You probably, because you're on the, what is it called, the Greater North Michigan Avenue Association still? 
Uh, the Magnificent Mile okay. Association. They updated their name. Okay. And um, it's an association of, of businesses and, and individuals who uh, work to preserve, promote, and protect the Magnificent Mile. Okay. And safety, as I said, seems to be an issue for people. I think that's true no matter where you go around the world. But right now, mm-hmm. Michigan Avenue seems as safe or unsafe as it was, either which way, depending on your perspective, uh, before the pandemic? Well, um, recently, the association opened its first ever visitor information center at the corner of Chicago Avenue and Michigan Avenue. And there we have street ambassadors who are happy to help with uh, directions and are quite knowledgeable about the district. And they also, you know, walk around uh, the Magnificent Mile, just, you know, giving people a little added um, added uh, feeling of safety. And, and uh, of course, you know, we, we battle this in, in every urban area. Yeah. But, um, you know, the flowers are blooming, the gardens are beautiful, and um, there's something new almost every, every month. Yeah, I think the biggest deterrence... And I love having the ambassadors there. Although one came up to me and said, do you need help? And my answer was, well, ask my wife. She says I do. And that uh, provided a laugh for that ambassador. And then I said, I want to be you because you must have free parking. As an ambassador, we know ambassadors have free parking. And uh, she shook her head no. But, (laughs) but, but I, I do agree with you. They're there. They're visible. But I think the greatest difference are just people. Uh, the biggest crime deterrent are people. And now you have about as many people on Michigan Avenue as typically were on Michigan Avenue before the pandemic. The biggest difference, though, are the stores uh, and and the retail shops that aren't open. But again, a lot of them aren't. They, some of them were planning to close before the pandemic happened. Some of that has to do with shopping habits, and that's happening all over the country. It isn't only Chicago. Uh, so can you talk about that a little bit and what the association is doing about that? Well, um, the association can only help, um, you know, encourage developers to bring in retailers. So um, over the last couple of years, um, as we've uh, recovered from COVID, we've had uh, some the street closed on occasion and had all types of activities bringing people out. And um, we have a special event in September called uh, Weddings at Wrigley. And people are welcome to get married uh, all day on that special day right under the Wrigley Building arches. So that's something special. So it's really our job to provide some content, including the Magnificent Mile Lights Festival um, each year in November. We provide the content to... Um, get some excitement going and um, some uh, density so that developers will then come and bring the retailers to fill the spaces. Well, you have done so much for the city of Chicago for so many years, you and your husband, Captain Bob. uh, So I thank you for that. And the other great thing about Michigan Avenue compared to other urban areas Many, not all, but many urban areas around the country, as you just walk up and down Michigan Avenue, or for that matter, State Street, 
or anywhere in that general vicinity, and you will see dogs because people live in greater numbers than, for example, I'll say Houston. It's true. You go outside, even if it's not 120 degrees, if it's a decent day, you go outside in Houston, you don't see people, you don't see other dogs because they don't live downtown. At least you don't see them after 5 o'clock and you don't see them on Saturdays. Here we have, I think... And maybe you know the answer, but I think it's true. The largest, still, Chicago, the largest population between our so-called Loop area and the North Michigan Avenue area, the Mm -hmm. largest density of residents in any downtown Central District area. Yes, we do. And I I think that was Mayor Daley's vision when he said, um, in order to have people living here, you have to provide services all day and all night. And I think that's what Chicago it, it has been really great at, at doing. Well, I thank you very much. Again, the Canine Cruise is where we began talking about all this. Give us the website for that one more time, Holly. Mercury Cruises with an S, dot com. And uh, tickets are on sale now. Of course. Holly Agra, it's always so good to talk to you. Thank you, Steve. Have a great week. Well, I have a question for you. How do you talk to your cats. Well, several studies have shown that when people talk to their dogs, they talk like, hello, my little puppy, you're my little baby doggy. Kind of like that, right? Sort of like that. With cats, people do the same thing, but maybe not as much. So they don't necessarily use the little baby voice, but they use a voice that is specific for the cat. What's more, it turns out researchers have learned that the cats understand that um, you're talking to me. I know you're talking to me. And they do it in a... So the dog comes running. The cat, like, okay, I know you're talking to me, but unless there's something in it for me, I may not come running. So their tails may swish back and forth. They Their ears may pivot. They may freeze while they're grooming. So they definitely know it's to the cat that you're speaking, which is interesting. And to me... Not very surprising, because cats, indeed, are very smart. Gracie Wilkerson does incredible work as a certified dog trainer. She trains dogs to alert for diabetes spikes and diabetes crashes. Ron and Vicky Santo, Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation. Gracie is a dog trainer. How did you get involved in all of this? Well, I originally got into service dog training through a friend of mine, um, and then her son-in-law taught me, you know, how to do everything, and then expanding my knowledge through different classes, and then um, did service dog training for a while, and then eventually got a call from um, Vicky Santo Foundation, the Ronda Vicky Santo Foundation, and they needed a trainer. So we met, and oh my goodness, Vicky Santo is such a wonderful woman, and the whole foundation has been amazing. Are you a baseball fan? Were you a Ron Santo fan? I honestly, I was not baseball. I wasn't quite really sure what was, <laughs> um, but since then, learning all about Ron and and all the incredible things that he did in his life, I've definitely become um, a Cubs fan. Um, definitely a Ron Santo, you know, history fan. <laughs> yeah, an inspiring guy. You know, it, this, amazingly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what he lived with privately while well, he was playing baseball, but then moreover, as the years went on, was just astounding. And Absolutely. I am certain that Vicky many times has told you the story of how really the dog 
that was involved named Joker, who saved Ron's life, I believe on two occasions, wasn't a trained dog to detect diabetes crashes, but nevertheless did it because of the bond that the dog knew. But Ron, the first time around, had no idea he was bonded with this dog in any way. In fact, he was concerned that he wasn't. Yep. And the dogs know. Yeah. When they love you, they know. (laughs) Yeah. So the question is, and we've heard this. I mean, this isn't, we are not making news that dogs can detect these kinds of things. And we'll talk only about diabetes here. Not detecting cancers, which they can Mm -hmm. do. Not Mm -hmm. detecting heart palpitations, which they can do. And they do these things. I want to talk about diabetes. Do we know yet how the dogs have figured this out? You know, it's been my understanding that exactly what they pick up on hasn't totally been identified. They've been speculating a lot of different things, but science hasn't yet caught up to what these amazing animals can do. But when they're bonded with you, they're they're sensing some kind of chemical change in your body um, right before your meters or anything like that catch up. So they're able to, you know, know, hey, my human sounds different or my human smells different. And they're able to just alert you and identify that. So there's a little bit of training, obviously, that goes in there, but... Even like you said, non-specifically formally trained dogs, when they're bonded with you and they have that innate skill, they will let you know. And Ron, and therefore Vicky as well, especially concerned about children. So here's the thing, as I understand it, that at three in the morning, a child doesn't understand what's going on, and it can be a very young child, doesn't necessarily understand what's going on. And even if that child could understand because the child is a bit older Mm -hmm. waking up from a sound sleep is difficult to do and these dogs can alert overnight which not only can save and i'm sure has saved lives Mm -hmm. dogs that you have trained have saved lives and the dogs before you came on as a trainer the the previous trainer same thing these dogs and other organizations there aren't a, a lot of them out there like this but the other, same thing, they save lives because in the middle of the night. But not only that, this is a way mom and dad can sleep. Can, can exactly. you ta- Yeah, can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, you know, w- working with a lot of the parents, I hear it often. They're just going to be so happy for, you know, a, a calming good night's rest. They'll still have to get up, but they won't have to be as panicked. But definitely, so what we train the dogs to do is they sleep right next to um, the child's bed, and then when they detect it, as you said, they try to wake up the child, but that's only their first line of defense. Most of the time, like you said, the kids don't wake up. So the dogs can be trained to go and run into the parent's room and alert the parents to wake them up. So if you wake up as a parent with a dog next to your bed, of course, you're going to get up and go check on your child. Sounds like a Lassie movie, but yeah. <laughs> but this actually does happen in real life. Have parents called you back and have said, you know what, Gracie, at three in the morning last night, this is what happened, and otherwise, I don't know if my child would have made it. Yes. Honestly, you know, I've gotten calls at, you know, those two, three o'clock in the morning, and the parents are crying, and I was in a panic going, oh my God, because you can't make out what they're saying. And then they're just so happy and that the, you know, the dog woke them up and they wanted to share with me at that moment. (laughs) 
Wow. You know, but in the middle of the night, when I get a call, I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. What happened? <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> but the parents are just crying and just so, they're, they're just feeling so blessed. And, and, and I'm happy to share that moment with them. Once I get out of the panic, you know, and I know what's happening, I mean, I'm in tears with them because, you know, they woke, they woke them up. And, and it's, it's a very, very wonderful experience. You know, I, I didn't know Ron Santo well. I've gotten to know Vicky well over the course of the past several years. And and I will tell you, Ron's dream was to have happen exactly what Vicky, the the board members, of course, and you, mm-hmm. I'd argue you more than anyone else, are making happen. And and the wish for me is that you could help more people by training more dogs, but that takes dollars. And there's my little pitch. We're going to hear more about the Ron and Vicky Santo Foundation. And what I want to hear about is how you train the dogs to detect what we're talking about. And and that is fascinating in itself. And that process is incredible, too, because these dogs not only have to be trained to detect, but also be socialized, because these are true service dogs these aren't the fakers going on the airplane. These are true service dogs that do a lot more, as it turns out, than only detect diabetes. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into these dogs. And it can start, I mean, it, it usually starts very, very early on. So, um, you know, with the puppies, it, can, it starts with the early scent in, um, exposure, exposing them to different scents so that they're training to really use their nose. And then as they start to grow up a little bit more, we're playing scent games, you know, finding the scent, um, looking for it in toys, and then eventually finding and detecting the scent on, um, on the human. And all of this is done through saliva samples. So we use saliva samples. So the families, um, the children, we collect scent samples from them. And then once we get those samples, then we're starting to use them with the dogs early on. So it's all about making that comparison with what is motivating that dog, whether it's food or, um, you know, toys or play, whatever it is, and motivating that dog that when you smell this, you will let us know. And early on, of course, it's a fun game for them. You know, where's the scent? I get a toy. I get a treat. I get things. And they're searching for that scent. So their nose is being trained from very early on to detect that scent, including when they're feeding. So we're pairing that scent when they're eating their meals, to, hey, associate your food and your happiness, those good dog feelings, with this scent. So when well, we're going to find it, out. Always associated with good. We're going to find out how you do that, and we're going to learn in more detail because it really is fascinating about how these dogs are not only scent trained. Because what scent are we talking about you associating? We'll find out. And also about socialization. And you know what? There are some trainers out there, as you know, being a professional trainer in general, that use methods that I imagine, I don't know you well, Gracie, but I imagine make you cringe. I want to talk about that just a bit as well. When we come back with Gracie Wilkerson of the Ron and Vicky Santo Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation. Back with Gracie Wilkerson. She is the lead trainer of the Ron and Vicky Santo Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation, an amazing organization that provides dogs uh, to children, really, that have juvenile diabetes. It's a nonprofit organization. It lives solely for that purpose. Gracie, as the dog trainer, you were talking about 
how you begin training. Do you only get these dogs as puppies? Most of the time, I mean, we do. They're, then they say they're always coming with that good start in there. They haven't learned any bad habits that they have to, um, we have to fix in there. But occasionally you run into those dogs that are a little bit older, but they, they show you that skill. So I would say the majority of the time, yes, but you have those unicorns out there. All right. And what, what kind of dogs do you use? Are we talking, I don't know, I, I assume we're not talking Salukis here or Whippets. No. Most of the time we're using Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, and then your Labrador and Golden Doodles. Okay, interesting. You know what? I was kidding about the Salukis or the Whippets, (laughs) but I will tell you, any dog, the fascinating part is, okay, you train these dogs so they are quote-unquote guaranteed to do what they're supposed to do, and they're also socialized. Correct. Guarantee is a tough word, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but... I, I suppose the point I'm making or about to make is that really, if it's a dog, it's a dog, it's a dog. And any dog that's bonded to a person, I mean, obstetricians have said for years, I know she's pregnant because not the pregnancy test, but the dog test, the dog. you know, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that could be any mix, any breed. But having said yeah. that, you work with the breeds you work with, you start, I suppose, you talked about scent training. I want you to describe that more. What scent are you training them for? Teaching them that this scent, associating that scent with food, for example, when the dog is being fed, is something positive, and and using play around that scent. But you didn't say what scent, I, I assume it's not skunk. What scents are you talking about? No, it, it's the enzymes in the saliva. So whatever is in that enzyme, again, they haven't, science hasn't it directly proven exactly what it is, but when you do the cotton swabs in the saliva sample, when that child is typically under 80 um, as a blood glucose level or above 150 as, the, as a blood glucose level, um, for the most part, those are the levels in there where the body will start to present that enzyme or whatever it is that when the cotton ball is stuck in their mouth and they get all kinds of saliva on it, we can now take that scent and present it to the dogs. So even when they're taking that scent in, you know, live in front of that human, that scent still presents itself. The thing that's ironic, though, is it doesn't only come from the mouth. It can come off of your skin and your sweat as well. So it's, it's something in there, but that's what we're pairing with all those foods and the treats and the love to detect under 80 and above 150. So, of course, those levels are whatever your body is. So it's not rocket science right there. This is the exact number. It's whenever your individual body releases that chemical. Do you know that little Johnny is... So do you use a specific person's scent that you know is going to be getting this dog? Little Johnny's. (laughs) (laughs) Or Janie? We use that child's scent, that person's scent. Whoever the dog is for, that's whose scent we're using. How long does it take you to do this? Uh, are we talking, well, I'm sure we're talking months, because we're also talking socialization. Socialization, yes. So um, the way the Ron and Vicky Santo Foundation and I do this is it's a two-year to three-year process wow. with these families. The first year is with us, and we're taking care of those basics, you know, going out in public and definitely getting them well-associated with public. These dogs need to be able to go everywhere these family goes that they can legally go into. Um, so airports and, you know, trains and buses and schools, we're everywhere. 
You know, well, they I, get raised and socialized. I remember uh, Vicky telling me a story that this was another trainer, I believe. Uh, she was in the process of socializing a dog that was already kind of halfway there. And she took the dog to church with her as a matter of socialization. Good place, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. uh, the organ's playing, everything's happening in church. And suddenly, the dog does what this dog is supposed to do. This dog tells the trainer or the handler that that person three pews up is about to suffer a diabetic. She had never, the dog had never met this person. The handler had never met this person. And sure enough, just as the handler was deciding, okay, we're in the middle of church here. What do I do? And I'm not (laughs) sure exactly which person it is, but the dogs aren't wrong. Just as she was about to make her move to do something, even though she didn't know exactly what to do, this person clearly uh, was in distress. They had to call an ambulance and all of that. That's how incredible these dogs are. It is incredible. And, you know, I've had many things happen like that. The scariest one was when I was at a park training, and a little girl came up, can I pet your dog? And the dog jumped up and started alerting. And my thought was, oh, no, I hope this parent knows. Wow. Wow, that's that's amazing. All right, so... Then the dogs are paired with the family. Does it ever not work where that dog isn't right for that family? Um, you know, every now and then it does. There is just not that perfect match in there. Um, doesn't happen very often, let me tell you, because usually we're pretty good about matching everything. But sometimes it's just not that perfect match. Sometimes due to the change in environment, sometimes with the, the family, the dog is a little, uh, the child may be a little afraid of that particular dog doesn't happen very often but if that happens we get them the dog that is right for them i will tell you you must feel really good about what you do there's nothing wrong with trainers teaching puppy classes or going into someone's home saying i know how to do this so the dog doesn't jump on people anymore all of that is great (laughs) however what you do i mean man you've saved lives that's that's amazing and you put these dogs together with these children what we haven't talked about just as a matter of time is these these children now if they were shy or reticent because of their condition now they have a dog which is a social magnet you know yes it opens that door for them to start talking to people and and they're confident about it their confidence just grows and grows yeah i'm sure you've seen that happen it's 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 incredible i love this organization the ron and vicky santo diabetic alert dog foundation Please help out. I'll make the pitch. It's ronsantofoundation.com. That's easy enough. ronsantofoundation.com. And I know there's a bobblehead day coming up at Wrigley Field in celebration of Ron, in celebration of what these dogs do for children, if you're a dog lover. If you love children, in celebration of these dogs helping the children, please consider making a contribution Uh, It's a great organization, ronsantofoundation.com. Gracie Wilkerson, you do amazing work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Truly and very sincerely, I love what this organization does, the Ron and Vicky Santo Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation. It does cost thousands of dollars to train each individual dog. So if you could see it in your heart to help, I hope you do. Uh, I want to talk about summertime and safety for our dogs. You know, we forget 
We're just out walking with the dog and we forget. We forget that if we're hot, our dogs are hotter. I can assure you. We have a fairly efficient system by sweating of keeping cool. Dogs, for the most part, don't have that system. And in fact, if you see your dog's tongue kind of hanging out the side of its mouth, the tongue looks swollen, odds are your dog has begun to overheat and could even be going into heat stroke. Stop whatever you're doing and consider stabilizing your dog or maybe at that point going to an emergency clinic. And remember that all those dogs, the Boston Terriers, Boxers, Bulldogs, French Bulldogs, Japanese Chin, Pekingese Pug, and others that are brachiocephalic dogs that look like they walked into a wall, those dogs can have difficulty breathing even walking around the block if it's 75 degrees out on a cloudy day. There's no sun. It may feel cool to us, but not necessarily to those dogs or very large dogs, particularly geriatric large dogs as well. You know, the other thing is that our dogs are so accustomed to air conditioning, they're not necessarily accustomed to those temperatures. So if we're talking a very hot day, I don't care what kind of dog you have. Two things. First of all, try to go out in the morning or after sundown. And the second thing, Bring water with you as well. What's one way to keep your dog cool? Get one of those kiddie pools and let your dog jump in. Your dog is not going to drown in like six inches of water. And that is, after all, fun for a whole lot of dogs. We'll have fun again next week, bright and early, right here on WGN.